Hey everyone, this is Nathan Holiday, and welcome to another episode of the Gym Mastery Podcast, the place to be for success-oriented gym owners looking for an edge. Listen to great conversations with super smart gym owners, entrepreneurs, and professionals who are changing the game. Today we have Marcus Gerzi, a serial entrepreneur and business mentor who has dedicated his career to empowering small business owners to translate their vision into thriving businesses. And although his experiences span several industries, Marcus is best known for his outstanding work in the gym industry, and many of you probably have heard of him. Um, he's developed well-known brands like Barbell Shrugged, Barbell Business, and Gym Right, just to name a few. And he's also credited with helping launch and develop Barbells for Boobs, which is a nonprofit that has raised more than $12 million towards breast cancer screening and diagnostic services. And if you've been in the fitness world for any length of time, you know that company. And currently, Marcus works with up-and-coming entrepreneurs and companies that are focused on making a positive change in the world. And speaking of that, we have a fantastic conversation today that is a must for anyone interested in business. So let's get to the show. Marcus, uh, it's great, man, to finally have you on here. I consider you a, a good friend, a great friend, uh, and we've worked together a lot over the years in a variety of different ways, different projects, but I've always appreciated the depth of wisdom and experience that you bring, especially around uh, leadership, business, entrepreneurship. And I know we could, we we're just talking about it, we could go down a ton of rabbit holes, but before we get too far, if you could just give everyone a quick overview of your background and sort of how you got to where you are. Oh, man. Well, first of all, Nathan, thanks for having me on, man. Always a pleasure chatting with you and been looking forward to this all week. So happy to be here. Um, man, well, it started for me, I suppose, at least with entrepreneurship in my mid-20s. I had just come back from a trip to Europe where I kind of hit the reset button in my life where I really wasn't sure what path I was going to take. I was experimenting with all sorts of different things. I was a musician. I worked in the service industry. Um, and I knew I wanted to do my own thing, but I really did not know what that was going to look like. And so I went to Europe. I had sold everything I had here. I went there for about six months and had just one amazing life-shifting experience after the next, not to mention lots of great beer and food, and came back really invigorated and ready to hit the ground running. And so I started working for this guy who um, at the time it was actually in uh, the like cellular wireless business. And I had a good buddy of mine who was just um, one of the people who I really related to around hard work, around uh, making it happen. He had a big vision for his life too. And he's like, man, you got to come work for this guy. He's amazing to work for. Like, yeah, we're technically in like the wireless industry, but this guy's a monster. You got to come uh, work with this guy. And so sure enough, I ended up getting a sales job for the guy and just went into like a two year long mentorship really on sales, on business. And the guy really inspired me to leave his company and start my first marketing company. And this was back in 06, 07, uh, 07. And that was a, a, a very brief undertaking and where I had a good idea and I didn't know anything about doing business internationally, especially dealing with China, which uh, was doing the manufacturing for a little product idea that I had. And a buddy of mine 
partnered up on this thing. We're like, hey, we can make these things and we'll sell them to all these companies. It was a marketing tool and marketing uh, concept. And so we had it all tooled up. We got a bunch of cool clients from like AT&T and the Angels and a bunch of like pretty solid deals pretty quickly. And only to find out that the manufacturer in China that was producing our stuff basically sold our mold or gave our mold to every other uh, production facility in Shenzhen. And they were selling them at retail for less than I could buy them wholesale. So needless to say, learned a lot, totally imploded the business, um, had to start all, all over again. But then over the years got into, um, I really had a thing for small business. Both my parents were small business owners, immigrants from Europe here to California back in the seventies and were in service um, in the service business. And it's what businesses I grew up around. I grew up doing all the jobs and working there, whether I wanted to or not, and participating in all different levels. And it always just kind of blew me away. Um, on one hand, how much you can, you can, how much of an impact you can make in a local community and people, if you do a good job, which is what both my parents really pushed was, you know, be the best at what you do. Even if you kind of suck at everything else, at least be the best at what you do. And, but, you know, and their success was okay. Um, I mean, enough to get by and support a family, but they never, you know, really were on a track for retirement or achieving what I thought was possible and really what I thought their effort warranted. And so I started focusing on working with small businesses and uh, started a, a small marketing company and where we worked with all different kinds of shops from uh, small local um, uh, uh, mortgage companies to gyms, to uh, hair salons, to you name it. And really just going in there and trying to figure out, well, what are you trying to accomplish and how can we make that happen? And it really was just good old fashioned fundamentals mixed with some guerrilla marketing mixed with, Hey, your website really sucks. Like we should upgrade that. And that is what really led me to the next big leg of my career. That's when some stars began to align because I recognized that the web presence was weak for most people because for one at the time, it wasn't that easy to get a great looking, good functioning website up, at least not as easy as it is today, obviously. Um, and that everything was shifting there. And not that the internet was anything new, but that so many people who ran maybe great brick and mortar businesses were leaving this massive next frontier, just untouched or underserved, not, not leveraging what was on the horizon. And so that's where we really shifted. That was the first big shift to saying, okay, let's make technology a part of what we do for everybody. And so that's where we started building websites and then gluing on the marketing piece to it. And that was what led me to, like I mentioned, we worked with some gyms. Um, that's actually what led me to your old facility way back in the day um, where I started going around because I was training at a CrossFit gym. And I was just, I, I mean, just as a, as a member myself, this was 2008. I was like, man, this is so special. This is so important. At least that's what it felt like to me at the time. I'm like, this business is run like shit. Like there's so much meat on the bone here to do something special with it. If they would actually just maybe call people back or have a decent website or be sharing the magic that's happening in these four walls online. And so we 
you know, he approached us. He's like, Hey man, I hear you specialized in this. We suck at this. Can you help? It's like, thought you'd never ask. So we totally dialed him in. It worked. And next thing you know, we got phone calls from five more of his gym buddies saying, Hey, we heard what you did for Jeff. Can you do that for us? Totally. And so it started to become a product of ours, like a specialty of ours. And that led to us eventually working with, I mean, probably a hundred gyms back in the day and getting the Reebok account when Reebok was first merging or partnering with CrossFit and it helped them open up their first 25 uh, affiliates all over the world. And um, yeah, that's kind of really what brought me into then specializing in building these web and marketing platforms specifically for gyms, um, having, you know, starting running and eventually selling my own facility as well to now having worked with well over 1500 affiliates directly uh, over the course of these 12 or so years, 13 years. Um, and now I, you know, I, I ran podcasts and created lots of different coaching programs and software platforms, uh, masterminds and all sorts of things. So now where I am more focused behind the scenes, finding the, the people who are really trying to make an impact that I can help build something meaningful and, uh, yeah, that's, that's awesome, man. I mean, so, you know, rewinding something that I didn't know about you, uh, until I don't know, like a year or long, long, like even just a couple of years ago, I didn't know this is that you speak German fluently. And yeah. so when you went to Europe, you know, you, you, you sort of had this, uh, did you, you went to, were you in Germany? Were you hanging out in Europe, just kind of doing your thing? I went to Austria. So okay. my family all comes from Vienna. And I had an uncle and some cousins that lived in Vienna. So that was my starting point was, Hey, can you give me a place to sleep while I adventure? And, and you know, that's yeah. like a, you hear this story, like the hero's journey, right? There's something you go off and you do something and then you like have some epiphanies and you come back and you're fresh. And you're, so like, what was that? Just out of curiosity, you know, like what, what was happening that, that made you come to that was it just like you had this urge to just go and, you know, just kind of disconnect? You know, I was, I was very well convinced at even 23, 24, and 24 was when I made this decision that I was going to be a professional musician, that that was my path. That's all. I was just eating, sleeping, and dreaming. Everything I did work-wise was really just to support my music career air quotes. And, you know, was playing in a band full time and having a blast. But, you know, I, I had at the time was not taking care of my body. And, you know, was, I mean, we were partying all the time and I practiced, I mean, ridiculous amounts and rehearsed ridiculous amounts. And so I started to develop tendonitis in my hands mm. and it was starting to become a really major issue to where it was inhibiting my ability to practice and get better. It was more a matter of just maintaining at that point. And I, you combine that with this urge, I always had to go and I wanted to go there and experience it and live there. And, you know, I, my family grew up there. I spent months at a time there growing up where I would go over for the summer and go and, and stay with my uncle. I mean, I was sent over there. I was 12 years old by myself for two and a half months and just like bouncing around with different people from like parents, friends, and my grandparents and whatnot. And I just always wanted to go and do it. And I felt like I was getting to a stage in my life where if I don't do this now, then I may not ever do it, or I'll have too much responsibility to do it the way that I want to do it, which was just go rogue. Right. You know, I wanted to sleep on couches and, you know, 
that I can drag girls home to and, you know, go play music and just have fun and not do anything serious. But it really ended up, yeah, getting, I got to this point where it was like, you know what? I'm going to do it now. And I quit my job. I quit my band. I sold the little, the few things that I had, put my guitars in storage at my parents' house and had enough for a plane ticket and just shy of like 2000 bucks that by the way, when you get there, um, your insurance, cause I, I had a car that I bought when I got there. It was like the one thing I got and you have to pay for your insurance in advance. So all of the money I thought I was going to have to get by evaporated in the 48 <laughs> hours of getting there where they're like, Oh yeah, no, you got to pay for six months at a time. You're and like, it's very oh. expensive. <laughs> Did not see that coming. All right. Lesson learned. Yeah. That's yeah. That's awesome. So, you know, you said that you had uh, you, your parents both were in, and you've told me a little bit about this, but what were the two, what were the businesses that your parents had? So my mom still has to date, a salon. So like a skincare salon and they have like a, a massage therapist, they have a nail person, they've, you know, she's an esthetician um, and they'll have a variety of different kind of specialists that are all in the same building. But she's had that, that business now for 40 years in Newport beach, um, which she started out of the back of someone else's business and built up over the years. Um, and then my father is in the car business and he's done a whole variety of different things. So he's always kind of been like a private car dealer that, you know, we had a car wash or he had a car wash that I worked at from, you know, for a good, like six, seven years, he owned it for like 10 years. Um, and now is still in the car business. So he buys and sells cars internationally and all over the place. You know, I remember now, cause I had this idea in my head because something that I know about you is you love, there are two things. There's like, you're great at building machines and systems and getting all that sort of organized, but you're also really good at the, the one-on-one -on -one sort of like in the gym environment, maybe like more of a boutique, more of a tight, you know, controlled. And when you look at both your parents, you have like your dad that might've been more on the systems mechanic side. And then mm -hmm. you have your mom that's much more in that relationship side, because that's, you know, when you're thinking about a salon, that's like what it is, right? You just conversation and making sure that there's that. So I just thought that was really interesting kind of where you came from with those two elements and then sort of how you've developed in business and you've brought those two things. Anybody that doesn't know, you know, the businesses that you've built have been sort of those two things. Would you kind of like, would you agree with that? A hundred percent. That's a really great observation. I mean, it's a hundred percent accurate. My mom was super social and that's what she, what she was masterful at. And that's what made her successful. And my father actually originated as a race car engineer. Mm. And so everything is about process and systematization and doing it exactly right. And so <laughs> yeah, I guess growing up in those environments, I, I didn't really put those two together until you said that, but yeah, that's very right. cool. Yeah. I mean, it, it is like a, it's a, it's a recipe. And you think about when you look at anybody, you know, history kind of obviously plays a role and what the influences are and the things that happen in your life. So, you know, you get into now working with gyms as a, a primary mode, right? A primary, the, the primary business that you have. What were some of the, the lessons learned uh, in that for gym owners specifically? So like when you think about if you distilled things down, you talked about fundamentals, marketing and website like that being, you know, sometimes gym owners are generally coming from as a coach or an athlete, they come up the ranks 
They don't really want to charge a lot of money. They don't want to be viewed as salesy. You know, this is a big common thing. So kind of just talk about that a little bit, because I know you have lots of experience there. Yeah. You know, I'd say the, one of the biggest things to wrap your head around as a gym owner is that you really need to be great at both, both, or let me put it this way, not you need, it's important to get great at both. And whether that's just you or it's with you and a partner and you're dividing and conquering, but it is the, the social, let's talk about like the product and the, the, the human piece of it. Right. So the coaching, the craft, the, the relationships, the, um, the culture that you create in your business are vitally important to making a successful gym. And the other 50% is the business aspect. It's learning how to run a successful business. That means learning enough about accounting to do the math, to, you know, understand the fundamentals of, of agreements and sales and marketing and client experience and retention and systems and building a team, which is kind of a bleed over on the other side, but that you usually come from one, one camp or the other. Hmm. And you, I've, I see that gym owners tend to be biased to that one side. They're like, oh, well, it's all about the product. If you, you do, you have a great product, the rest will work itself out kind of. And then there's those that come with a really strong business mind or business experience. They say, you know what? I've got the the best plan and the best systems and the best marketing funnel, but the product stinks, right? Or it's, it's not, it's not human enough. It's not connected enough. And I would say that finding that sweet spot is the goal. And just understanding that both, both are important that you're going to kind of dance between the two and that it takes time to, to, to build something great. You know, we're always in a hurry, I think, as entrepreneurs to, to, to get to the goal and to, to, you know, obviously to be profitable, to pay your bills and, and to become successful, whatever that means to us individually. But understanding too, that this is a process and it takes time. It takes reps, right? It takes, it takes your 10,000 hours on the floor to become a great coach. It takes your 10,000 hours behind the scenes to become a great businessman or woman too, Right. So it's, it's a $20,000, a 20,000 hour endeavor, not a 10,000 hour endeavor. Not too long ago, Chris Cooper and I did a live stream into the world famous Gym Owners United group on Facebook. And in that stream, I went over three factors that will make your gym even more amazing. And these three factors are extremely important. And I built a little assessment that I'd love to give you. You know, we're all about assessments. And it'll show you exactly how you stack up and where there might be room for improvement in your gym. So go to levelmethod.com slash factors to watch the stream and download the assessment. You know, um, a couple things, people that come in, they're going to have that preference, right? So someone's going to rely more heavily on one side. And I think that understanding that that other side is going to be maybe like out of what is natural and it's going to require doing the work. And you can't like another thing I learned from you was that you can't really get away from doing the work. <laughs> like you, you can't, there's no shortcuts really. And, and a, a good example of, the, of that is when we first, you know, we were working together with Level Method a couple few years ago before we did anything with the programming. So when we had the programming, you know, I, I did, was very hesitant to do the programming in general, but we were talking and then you were like, uh, well, what you should do is you should have a level for each of the, 
a, you know, a workout for each of the levels. And I'm like immediately thinking like, that's a ton of work. And, and you're like, your response was like, yeah, that's like, if you wanted to deliver something, you got to do the work. Right. So talk a little bit about that in terms of like somebody who, yeah, I know I got to do that. Ah, oh, yeah. But what, like, why should they do it? Like, what's the, what's the thing here? <laughs> that's where all the growth is. That's where all the value is. Right. Usually the thing, like, let's take the programming piece. The reason why you were thinking, man, this sucks. It's going to be a lot of work. Well, it's also what made, makes it special. That's what makes it so valuable is that someone's like, what? I'm getting all this value. I didn't want to do that, but this is awesome. That's where the value is. And that's also where your growth as a person, as a businessman comes from, is that it's about facing those things. Don't step, don't avoid the fire, step into the fire. Mm-hmm. Through all of our growth happens is, is whether you're talking personally or in or professionally, avoiding those things is just postponing your success. Yeah. So, you know, talk about that, the, the, the journey, right? So now we're, we're thinking about business, personal entrepreneurship journey. In the early days, the thinking is, oh, quick, let, let me go fast or let me just get the answer right now. But like, it takes a long time and there's patience involved. So, you know, business and entrepreneurship journey and sort of like how to accelerate that for people. You know, I'm going to say something really, um, I don't know, it's said very often. And I think people undervalue or maybe don't understand exactly what's meant with it. But this whole idea of getting used to being uncomfortable or trying or failing fast is actually the better way to say it. The idea of that whole going fast, like quick, quick, quick. And then you realize it takes the patience. All that quick, quick, quick is just you not having any wherewithal yet and needing to learn lessons. And they start off as small, quick lessons and you become braver. And then you start making, taking bigger shots and you learn bigger lessons. They're more costly, but they're also therefore inherently more valuable. And I think if when someone's new in business or wanting to accelerate in business, it's really just accepting the fact that I'm going to fail. I'm going to lose money. I'm going to miss opportunities. I'm going to hurt feelings. I'm going to make lots of mistakes. And some of them are going to feel like absolute shit. And like the world is coming down on me because of it. But the reality is, is that it's not. And that you made the mistake because you needed to learn the lesson. And as long as you actually stop for even just a brief moment, integrate what, what is there to learn from this? before you move on so that you hopefully don't repeat it, at least not to the same degree as you did the first time, then you are improving and then you are growing and learning. And that is what entrepreneurship really is. When you see the people who are more successful than you, legitimately, not just flash in the pan, someone got lucky, if you want to call it, you know, because sometimes people find large success early on, but that doesn't mean they're equipped to handle it. And we'll usually lose it. Just like someone winning the lottery doesn't mean that they're better at money than you. It's just, you kind of got lucky now, but can you hold on to it? What are you going to do with it? And I think it's the same thing with success in business. Sometimes we get lucky because of a trend, right place, right time. But the proof is always in the longevity. Are, are, is this going to last or is it going to continue to improve or grow? And, you know, and that's really the goal. So as an entrepreneur, understanding that it's all about learning the lessons. So the sooner I learn these lessons and really integrate them, 
the faster I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to pick up more speed, the further I'm going to get, the faster I'm going to grow and the more successful I will become. Yeah. As you were talking, I was thinking uh, that whole thing of, of for you, not to you. Yeah. So it's like, I have this, I have the challenges. They're, they're like a custom designed challenge, right? For you to deal with whatever it is. And then having the persistence to just never stop. And if you can, if you can then distinguish and you can make distinctions between, okay, this was working, this wasn't working. And then steadily kind of get yourself into a way that is a, a, a consistent or reproducible. Cause I think that experience really does create the reproducibility. So it's like, Oh, do you want to make a million? So if you make a million dollars and you just luckily did it, you haven't built the, the skills of success to then make another million dollars. But if you have the skills and everything's taken away from you, you can still, you can do it again. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. And the whole goal was not to make a million dollars and lose it. Right. The whole goal is to make a million and then say, okay, now what can I do with this? Right. 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 So, you know, your business Ascension Lab, um, mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that word Ascension. Cause I think, I mean, there's a play, I'm sure there's a play on words or it's multiple things, but t- just talk a little bit about Ascension as an idea. Yeah, this is, so that's my private agency. This is where I do my, my bigger projects. I run through this and they're the majority of my projects usually run through the Ascension Lab. And, um, so you won't find a website, you won't find any front-end marketing because I don't market it. It's all already in place and working. Um, yet the, the concept of Ascension was it was all about elevating. It's all about elevating the entrepreneur, elevating the business, elevating the potential. Because you know, I, I started the project with the intention of partnering with people who are doing something special, people who have something important to bring to the world, but maybe don't have the tools yet. They don't have the experience yet. They don't have the strategy clarified yet and creating an alliance to where I help guide them forward and help develop the companies. And that's either, you know, we do equity, we do profit sharing, we can do a variety of different things, but long story short, if someone's got something really cool, we team up, I help them grow it and we split the, the benefits. And the whole concept, like I said, was about growth, elevate, elevate the business, elevate your game, however you want to look at it. It's help pull the potential out of and up out of the, the business and the entrepreneur. And, you know, you work now, I think uh, that you work now one-on-one with some folks, right? So individual business owners, entrepreneurs who are looking to make a change or, or get some traction and ascend themselves in a variety of ways. Um, I think a big part of that is likely, I you know, and I think you've actually mentioned it is moving someone from a vision of what they want to actually having it happen in reality. And I think this is th- that's the magic point, right? Like, where how does that happen? Like, I got all these great ideas, I want to do this, take over the world, but then there's a set series of things that pretty much always need to happen. Uh, and so, walk us through like how you, when you're working with somebody and you have somebody who wants to do something, I have this XYZ project. Well, how does it go from vision to reality? Great question. So we always start with exactly that, with the vision, right? What is it that you are looking to accomplish with this company, with this project? You know, what is the desired outcome? And helping clarify that to such a degree to where 
we can use it as a really as a litmus test for anything that we do. Does this move us closer to that? Is this in line with that? And we start very zoomed out. So we start with that. What is the purpose of this thing? And then I flip it to the business owner, the entrepreneur. It's okay. Well, what is the purpose of this business or this outcome to you as an individual? How does this apply to your vision for yourself? And oftentimes helping them clarify that vision for themselves so that we can, we can have the two big definitions of success clarified, right? What success mean is the business. What does success mean to you as the owner of this business or a partner within this business? And this helps me start to triangulate what do we want? What are the priorities? And then we evaluate the business. We say, okay, well, what is serving this outcome or this purpose and what is not? And it is often very easy to identify when you come from the outside into any existing ecosystem, you know, what, what's the, where's the fat, if you will, right? Where's the wasted energy? Where is the, where's the unnecessary friction? Where's the, where are the distractions? And oftentimes simply by clarifying what success means on those two, in those two ways, and then auditing the business, if you will, to see how much of the business is in alignment with that oftentimes is already going to show us where we want to begin. As before we start talking about any sort of business plan, sales, marketing, advertising, any of that, start with that. Because that way we know we're even heading in the right direction. Because I found, and I did this myself many times, where I would jump the gun and go straight to, okay, well, let's look at your, your sales system. Let's look at your well, marketing so it's plan. It's the thing that's going to get the money right away or whatever, right? Right. And, and I get it because that's the stuff that's in your face, mm. but that is simply either a mechanism within the bigger system, or it's a side effect even of a, a system or the system. And so not getting caught up in that stuff. Of course, when we audit the business, I want to take a look at everything and say, okay, well, you know, how is your social media? If that's a, a factor here, what are you doing? How are you doing it? Why are you doing it the way that you're doing it? And we go through and we answer all these questions about the various different aspects of the business. And that leads us to then putting together a plan as to, okay, here's going to be our order of operations and let's begin lining up our, our projects and our efforts. Now, do you have just, uh, you know, off the top of your head, any good stories or like examples of somebody who's sort of gone through that? And we can be vague enough. So the person's all like, Hey, you know, but it's like, how did that look in practice and like a before and after of somebody that kind of goes through this process? Sure. So I'll give you an example of a recent project. And so there is a, a company that I'm working with um, and we're doing quite a bit of work together where they had, had a really good core team. They had, uh, they were really tapped into the, the bigger purpose of what they were doing, but the, it was it barely even resembled a business, right? It was so front loaded and focused on just the purpose, which was a big part of why I chose them. Mm-hmm. See, I, I really only select people who are really legitimately in love with what they're doing and have, have some X factor around that because I, I spent a lot, many years and 10,000 plus hours working with people who oftentimes were not. And 
I learned a lot and I did my thing, but those are the people who I truly love helping the most and where I have the greatest impact um, and achieve what my mission is, which is that impact overall. And so anyway, so we, I, we took a look at the, the vision and we clarified, what do you want this thing to look like? And what does it look, what does that mean to you as individuals? And then we took a look at what they were doing and it was very, very clear on where we were going to focus and how we were going to monetize this. And therefore, in a very short amount of time, we were able to scale the, the business drastically and, and to do so in a way that was totally in line with who they were, who they were looking to serve and the outcome that they were looking to create, right? And we were able to avoid, in this case, avoid a lot of the wasted time and effort and resources on busy work, on filler work. So many times in businesses, people get so caught up in, I've got to look like a finished business rather than achieving an outcome for a group of people. And that's, that's really what a good business is. It's identify what problem am I, am I solving and how am I going to solve it better than whoever else there may be in this, pro, in this ecosystem. And they get so caught up in like, oh, well, I've got to look the part. I've got to have the, 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 the gym or the business has to look a certain way. I've got to have the right equipment. I've got to have the right looking site and image online. I've got to have the very pro looking social media. I've got to have the, the fancy shirts. And the, it's like, they get so caught up in the, the image of being successful rather than focusing on actually becoming successful. And so in this particular case, instead of wasting all the time, money and effort on building out all these extra things, we were able to focus just on how do we solve this problem better than anybody for this group of people and monetize this thing and scale it. So we kept it, we were able to keep it super lean, really, really profitable, and therefore feed into itself. And by keeping the business on one singular track at first, we were able to create the, the impact, the volume, the revenue, and therefore profitability to allow us to now do more things and now build out the company to start looking more like what it, the level that it's actually operating at. And I'm not saying that a great website doesn't matter or a nice equipment doesn't matter or a nice building doesn't matter. All those things, of course, they have their place. But I think making sure we don't put the cart before the horse is, is the big thing. And that's, that was the big takeaway from this particular project. At Level Method, we're constantly searching for ways to make your life as a gym owner easier. And that's why we created our social media service that makes you look like you're putting in tons of hours or paying someone an arm and a leg. Get six professional themed text and image posts each week, four weeks at a time. Check out levelmethod.com social for more info. And you'd mentioned something that I think is is really important, which is you know passion as the X factor is what you said. You know, somebody who has passion, and the way I look at that is like that's the emotional pull or fuel or drive for somebody, and that's what's going to keep someone going, even if like you know they don't they're not like making a ton of money, but they're going to still keep going. So talk about that in terms of like when you've seen people that they lack the passion for what they're doing or they have in their mind, I just want to make a million bucks, but then you know, you kind of lose your soul on the way of doing that because you're not living to who you truly are. So how has that played a role, 
because, you know, with who you work with and then also just in general, what you've seen from successful people. Sure. So the, the main reason I think I'm really drawn to it because both my parents were very passionate individuals. And so, like I said, I, I grew up with that ingrained in, in me and that it's love what you do. Otherwise don't bother. And, you know, I find that in business, so many times people get into a certain business or industry because it's profit. It's, Hey, this is a, it seems like a really good time to get into fill in the blank, CrossFit, Bitcoin, whatever. And they get into it because of the opportunity and not because they love the thing. And I'm not saying that you can't be successful or you can't make money, but for me, the type of person I like working with, because I feel like I relate, I feel like I'm, I can really quarterback someone like that and really fire someone like that up because that's how I'm wired. Mm. I only, I'm passionate. So I only want to work with passionate people because I, I recognize that those are my ideal clients. I get, I see the most success for them. Uh, so it's a bit selfish on my part because it's what I, who I enjoy working with. Um, but also I find that, you know, it's, and it's more fun working with someone who's really into what they do, but the type of business strategies that I enjoy, the type of models that I enjoy to apply to different businesses, they favor those who are great at their craft. I just enjoy, or my, my, my approach is most effective when I apply it to someone who's great at what they do and maybe just doesn't know what, how to do the business end of things. Um, Cause I guess that's what I grew up around. Mm. That's, that was kind of my role in my parents' businesses too. Yeah. And the, you know, the success, the looking versus being successful and that it's similar to that whole idea of form versus function, right? Mm -hmm. Would you rather be able to perform or just look like you can perform? Or would you rather be sex successful or just look like you're successful? And I think that like, in order to, to look, I mean, ideally, some people can fake it, but if you are really going to be successful, you've got to lay the foundation of the fundamentals of the things that we've talked about, where it comes down to persistence and overcoming challenges and, you know, having someone that can guide you, accelerate you a little bit so you can focus on the things uh, that are most important. Because some of the things you'd said about, you know, taking someone from vision to reality, you know, clarification is extremely important, um, having a, 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 a true purpose, but then you had priorities and then start and stop right? But the idea of like, what are you going to start doing? What are you going to stop doing? I think that I might've read into that a little bit, but I think that's what you meant. And then the priorities of what are the biggest things I'm going to be focusing on? So when it comes to like, generally, what are the things that as a, you know, we have to go kind of vague here and, and big guidelines, but what are the big priorities and what are the things that generally you see that people should either start or stop doing when it comes to business, uh, gym ownership specifically, but business in general. Sure. Um, all right. So I'd say oftentimes one of the first places I begin is just in process alone, taking a look at how are you even approaching getting things done? And I know you and I share a lot of common ground and loving to nerd out on all <laughs> sorts of different, uh, project management methods, concepts, systems, tools, all the things. Um, so that is a place that I like to start because I find that so much 
time and energy is wasted simply due to inefficiency or things falling through the cracks, that's simply installing a better way of keeping track of what we're doing, when, why, and how mm. alone already is a game changer for most companies because most start pretty loose. I, I have started the same way many times and, and it is the right way to start when you're just getting going. It's, hey, focus on the thing that you're there for and the other things you'll put in place as you go. Yet, I usually come in during the stage of where someone has something and that they want to really grow or scale. And so that is going to be a problem if we are not staying on top of things and falling through the cracks and all so on. So oftentimes there alone, how easy is it for you to do the thing? That is the first place I start. Then I say, okay, next, let's look at the thing that we're actually delivering. Where's the low hanging fruit to making it better or, or really pulling out? How can we optimize this? I'm not saying we need to go into, and sometimes there's nothing. Sometimes it's good enough as is, and we can just move on. But so many times there's some low hanging fruit that can make something really good. Great. Which alone can be already a differentiator in what's going to come next, which is sales. How, how do you sell this? How, and that there's a lot within that, right? That's pretty loaded, a loaded category because it's now not just your sales tactic or your sales pipeline. It is the whole experience. And really, first of all, understanding the role that sales has within the business and that it is in most, I mean, frankly, in every case that I've encountered, it is the lifeblood of your business and not being completely tapped into that. I'm not saying you need to be some sales Jedi or some sleazy car salesman. It's not it at all. It's just understanding how important it is and that this important mission that had you put it all on the line and start this business so that you can make this impact and get this outcome for this group of people doesn't happen if you're not selling. Mm -hmm. And that, that is literally the translation of, I want to do this to I am doing this. And getting the psychology of everyone involved dialed in to then looking at the, the process, the offer, does it make sense? Is it align, in alignment with who you are, with who your audience is, with what you're trying to accomplish and optimizing that piece because so many, so many problems can get solved when sales are coming in the door. And so many problems will not get solved if there's no money coming in, right? And it isn't about money. It isn't about numbers on a board. It's a matter of optimizing this so that you are able to achieve your vision, your mission, the whole reason you started this thing, right? So it's really aligning all of that with that, which oftentimes eliminates so many of the resistances that people have around selling. Oh, I don't want to be, I don't want to come off salesy. Oh, is that cheesy? I don't want to be too aggressive. Whatever stories so many of us have created around why selling is bad or something I don't want to do or whatever version of that people have, just completely eliminating that from whoever's in charge of this or from really from the company culture altogether and getting them in line with that. It, it already keeps it from, from ever becoming that mm -hmm. just by everyone being on the same page about why we sell and why we sell the way that we sell and we connect and we really make sure we listen and all, all these core elements of great sales now don't feel salesy at all. 
and turn you into a sales machine so mm-hmm. that whenever the right person does come in front of you, you have the highest chance of turning them into a raving fan, which then would be my next, or that would be two steps down. The next step would then be marketing. Mm-hmm. How do we get people to show up to that sales event, right? That sales mm-hmm. process, that experience that we designed and putting people into that. How are we sharing this with the world? How are we getting in front of the right people and figuring out where are the big levers to pull? I find that so many people, when it comes to marketing, they think, oh, that means I need to have a good looking website. I need to have my social media dialed in. I need to run some ads. And those are all often components of a good recipe. But the point is that's having those things and checking those boxes goes back to the busy work, Mm -hmm. things that we trim oftentimes. And instead looking at what, what is going to be the most effective thing that I can do? Where do these people hang out? How can I get in front of as many of the right people as possible and make my case, right? So instead of looking at it as a series of boxes to check, is your, you know, your Google places dialed in? Is your, that comes after the fact. But first, let's look at it as where's the, where are the biggest levers to pull? And then get whatever ducks in a row you need to get in a row. Now, obviously, if we're talking about a gym, there are a lot of these common best practices and things you want to have in place, but you can still do it a lot more efficiently by putting your energy into maybe one or two that are going to have the highest return rather than thinking you need to go wide, which is what most people do is it's very general. It's very broad. It's just kind of it's more a matter of I'm doing marketing. Can I get clients now versus being effective? Right. You know, the order of this, <clears throat> I think is very interesting. Because number one, you have like the, the, the ability to get things done and not have things fall through the cracks. So it's like the actual, I need to be able to deliver. I need to be able to do things. Then you have the product, which is what's the, what can we fix the fastest to get results? Like what are the, what's the, are there any red flags anywhere that if we focus on that one thing, boom, a bunch of things are going to increase. Then we got the sales. And when we worked together in my gym, the sales it was the first time that I had ever even thought about the fact that like each step of the sales process should be laid out and mapped out. Like, you know, if this, then that, like very, very systemized, but in a way that you're just controlling the factors to make sure that you are delivering in that environment. And you're asking, it's like the the prompt might be like to get to know the person. Like, it's not like some robotic thing, but I'm getting that information. But seeing that laid out for me was like a big eye opener because it's like in so many areas of our business, we can be like, okay, yeah, we have these steps out, but then lots of gyms, I know for a fact, aren't even, they're, they're like how I was not even paying attention to the potential. And you want to get that in place before you start thinking about marketing. Why? Because it's like, if you don't have that in place, then they're all just falling out of the holes in the bucket, right? So you've done all this stuff up front. And then now what are you going to do? Just like be losing people. They come in, they're like, oh, this isn't what I, and then they don't come back, right? So um, I think that that order is just, just so crucial. Now, when it comes to each one, just real quick running through, like when, it, when you think about getting things done, what's the, in terms of 80-20, what is the biggest thing that someone can do to get more things done? Like what, like, you know, if you're, you're going to pick one strategy for someone like, ah, I'm, I feel overwhelmed or I'm not getting stuff, things are falling through the cracks. What would be the thing in your mind? Routine. Routine and habit. Creating 
a routine that allows you to actually get all the things done. So for example, going through and saying, okay, what are all the things that need to happen on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly basis and saying, well, when would it be optimal for those things to happen mm-hmm. and creating the space for them to actually happen rather than, and so therefore you now become proactive and you know, great, if I just, today I've got to do these two things, right? Great. If I get those two things done, I am on track with the bigger picture of running my business successfully. And it, it eliminates so much of the stress the, the chaos that comes with being reactive, like, oh, that's right. I need to handle this. And oh, great. But I've got an event this weekend. Oh, shit. And it's, you're just playing into the, the chaos. There's, there's enough chaos in building a business anyway. And especially a service-based business where you're dealing with personal, so many different personalities and circumstances and nuances that you want to reduce and eliminate it possible any and every unnecessary friction point you can in your day-to-day so that you have the capacity to show up and actually do the thing without just constantly being overwhelmed. Overwhelm would be probably the single, aside from wanting to make more money, overwhelm, stress is probably the number one thing that I hear that they want to get out of. It's just so hard. It's just nonstop that's because you are in a constant state of reaction. You are not setting yourself up for success. In a gym example, you would never tell your member to be like, hey, just come in, you know, go do your day, go to work, deal with the kids, and then come in if you have time. You'd say, no, you have to make it a priority. Put it on your calendar. When are you going to come in? Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 5.30 p.m.? Great. Now you can plan for it. But if you're just finishing your work day and you're like, should I go to the gym today? you're probably not going to go as often as you need to actually make any change. And it's the same thing in your business. If you are just reacting constantly, you are setting yourself up for failure because you're burning so much unnecessary energy, just dealing with things rather than I'm going to show up. What are my two things? And just getting them done right out of the gate. What's the first thing you do? Give yourself a 60 to 90 or a minute window or so first thing in the morning when you show up, no distractions, phones off. I haven't even looked at my email yet. What are, what is my one or two priority things I'm going to do today and just knock it out and then go react because everything's going to be waiting there for you. The customer service emails, the staff member that needs a a change on the schedule to the the thing that came in the mail. That's, Oh shit. We got to deal with that too. It's all waiting for you. But if you create the routine and the structure and habit, like you said, of I'm going to prioritize these important things first and then go react, puts you in a proactive state, which will make you infinitely more successful because you are not perpetually stressed and behind the eight ball. The Chalk It Pro app will help build your bottom line and save you time every week on your business systems. Leverage their technology to add more personal training and remote coaching clients, build on your community culture through social engagement, and efficiently manage your time spent programming. Do all of this with one app, not three or four. Chocket Pro is designed and built by gym owners to help gym owners. Find out more information at chocketpro.com. 
Perfect. So essentially setting time aside, either daily, weekly, monthly, you might have, you might have a monthly checklist or something, but putting, making sure that you know what you're doing. You have chunk of time on, in your days. You have chunk of time maybe on the weekly level and a ch- bigger chunk of time maybe on the monthly, but those are in the calendar and they're, they're set in stone. They're non-negotiable. They, and, they, and ideally, they happen first. You do it as the first part of your day. And this is just for me being totally transparent. If I put it later in my day and it's the thing I have to do, it's far less likely to get done than if I just get it done first. Because, and then not to mention, I have a totally different sense of satisfaction going into my day, knowing I already handled my business. That's awesome. So that's the, you know, the biggest 80, 20 for getting it done. Now, when you look at the product out of like, you know, the hundreds of gyms you've worked with, the, what's the low hanging fruit that most gyms might need, could look at in terms of, from a product standpoint. The class experience. Mm-hmm. I think the class experience and the, the question I would ask any business, doesn't matter if it's a gym or not, is, is the product as good as we need it to be? To be who we want to be, mm-hmm. to say we are who we are, right? Because a lot of times we're like, oh, we're the, the premier CrossFit gym in the Orange County area. I try your class. I'm like, I get that you care and I get that you may know a lot, but your class experience sucks. Or maybe yours was great, but I took your other coach's class and his class sucked. So your product is actually not even very good. So it is not the premier facility, right? So I always You can just say it. (laughs) And you'd be surprised. I would argue most businesses that I have come across over the years tell me they're far better than they actually are Hmm. because that's how it feels how much time and effort and, and risk they put into starting this and do and I come in early and I work weekends and I, I'm doing emails while I'm at the park with my kids. And I'm like, first of all, that's a you problem. And it's not coming across on the back end or it's not translating to your clients. So it's completely irrelevant and wasted. Mm-hmm. So the question is, is it as good as we need it to be to do what we want to do? And sometimes, like I said, it is cool. You've already dialed that in, but in most cases, and especially when it comes to a gym, is your class experience awesome every time? Is it consistent like a restaurant? Is your are your dishes on time and perfect every single time? And am I walking out of there going, wow, that was fantastic? The food was great, the service was great, it looked nice, the music was at the right levels. People have all the same things when they leave your gym. They're leaving going, man, I feel great. That was super fun. The coach was so helpful. I have, you know, the music was awesome, was bumping today. It wasn't dirty and whatever. They, they go through this kind of oftentimes subconscious checklist of did I love it or not? Mm-hmm. And the whole goal with whatever you're selling is that everyone walks away going, yep, loved it. Can't wait to go back. Can't wait for more. That's what I check first or in this stage is, is it good enough to do what we want to do? That's awesome. And so next on the list, there's sales, right? So what are the big, I mean, this is a probably a big one, right? I, I spent an hour I, on this I, one I alone. Just shake it, 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 like, what is the thing? Like if we were going to go 80, 20 rule and it's like, look, this is what you, even a, even a philosophy, you know, even just like, how do we have to look at this thing? It's like the Zig Ziglar thing. If you, if you believe in your product, you should want to sell it, right? Like it's yeah. going to be doing business, uh, better for you. So yeah, talk about that a little bit. I start with the menu. What's on the menu? What are you offering? Is it priced correctly? Um, is it presented correctly? As in 
are you even offering the right thing, right? Are you selling the right thing? And do you have the right options? Because oftentimes right there alone, we can already clean things up quite a bit. In a gym's case, oftentimes there, there's no method to the madness that is their membership offering menu. It is just a hodgepodge of everything they've heard on podcasts for the last four years or what the guy down the street does, except five bucks cheaper or whatever. <laughs> there's no rhyme or reason to it. So we, we dial in the menu. Once the menu is dialed in, I say, okay, well, who are we even selling to, right? This would have been already covered previously and in some of the visioning would be who is the ideal client. And now let's design your sales experience. What is the intro offer that someone is going to engage with when they're learning about your gym or your business? Is it a discovery call, an intro session, a trial, a, a, I don't know, a, f- a first event, whatever it could be. And let's make sure that that is covering all the bases that we needed to cover to bridge the gap in the buyer's journey from prospective client to happy new client, excited new client, right? And then we design the experience around the sales event itself and the intro offer and all of that. Um, then it's a matter of what is the what leads into this? What What is the communication process for when someone reaches out that, they're going to engage with to get to that sales event. Mm -hmm. And then it's bridging the gap from the sales event to your product or service and making sure that these are all seamless and that we're covering all the bases necessary in that particular business to set both the client and the business up for success. So in a gym example, an example of a gym, for example, would be, you know, when someone signs up, it's not just like, great, welcome in, pat them on the butt, enjoy your classes. It's okay, we're going to go over our membership holding cancellation process and policies very clearly and make sure they understand that. We're going to schedule their first session with the coach and talk about how to cancel and reschedule or use the scheduling app or whatever, what's really important. Um, and then some sort of mindset component around like, here's what to expect. Like, Hey, you're going to work, be working with coach Cameron. He's amazing with working people, uh, working with people with injuries or especially knee injuries from running. Like you have, um, he's going to be a great fit. You're going to do awesome. And making sure that's a smooth transition and that they're excited about it. Or, Hey, here's what to expect. You're going to get X, Y, Z emails and join this Facebook group. Make sure you get in that right away. We've got something really cool happening tomorrow. Be in the group, mm-hmm. bridge the gap right? So that's the sales category is first offer process, then what leads into it, what leads out of it. And you can see it's, you know, it's, uh, it's multi-phases, right? So it's like, it's not just, oh, here's the sales. It's like, we got to think about these things if we want to build a real lasting successful business. If we gloss over it and just put something in place, it's like, okay, then you're, you're still in the minor leagues here. We, we got to, in order to bump up, we got to kind of get these things in place. And then finally have marketing and something that I had mentioned or that I had written here, just my notes, um, you know, who you're talking to as opposed to like, okay, Facebook ads and like these, these sort of like high level sort of like band-aids, you kind of might want to get an idea of like who you're talking to and what you're communicating specifically. So talk a little bit about that, like the 80, 20 around marketing and what people miss out on or thinking shiny object syndrome when they should be thinking X, Y, Z. I'll give you the quick and dirty. It's get crystal clear on how you on the problem that you solve and how you say that to someone, right? This is what we do for people. Hmm. And there's, depending on the tone of the brand and your style and all that, it can be towards the the positive. It can be towards the negative. Like we help people 
you know, deal or overcome weight loss or something. That's the shitty example, but something around like we fix the problem or it's we provide the heaven, right? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like you're addressing heaven or hell. And the best way to do that is to really think about, well, what is the, the heaven on the other side of my product or service, right? What are, what's it going to be like to not have this problem anymore that we've solved? And how's that going to feel? And what all is that going to affect? Mm. And having someone really clarify all that. And then the hell, what happens if they, what's the hell they're currently experiencing as in the problem that you solve and how's it affecting them on all these different levels and their day-to-day and their relationships and their self-image and all, all these aspects. And then how does that get worse if they don't fix it? Mm-hmm. Right. So let's say five years from now, if they haven't fixed this, what else is going to happen? Oh, you're probably going to be on heart medication. Your relationships are going to start to tank. You're going to feel like shit. You're going to have no energy, whatever. Really go there and really get into that, that life of the person who has the problem now, who hasn't solved it yet. And then same thing once it's been solved, because that gives you all of your marketing ammunition. Mm-hmm. Now, you know where they are, where they're going to go if they don't fix it, but where they can go if they do fix it. And that is all of the content material you need to start, regardless of what medium or tool you use. Now it's a matter of, okay, now I've clarified my messaging and how I articulate the problem that I solve and who I solve it for and why it's so important on both the positive and the negative. Now you can choose, well, where does my audience hang out? Where... Or where are they influenced, right? Not just where they hang out, because they hang out on, you know, online all over the place. It could be on Facebook, on Instagram, and that could be a good place to start. It might be the right place to start. But I tend to look more for, well, who are the influential either companies or people in the space who people really listen to or trust? And how can I leverage that authority rather than starting with zero? and just being more noise in the ecosystem, I would go to, you know, whoever people are following, whether it's a podcast or it's a a blogger or fill in the blank with whatever person of influence. And I'd figure out how can I get this person to vouch for me, to talk about me, to interview me. And again, it's about finding a bigger lever. Don't not wasting my time on, yes, day-to-day social media and proof that, you know, we help people and the evidence of like what we're doing in our gym and that we actually exist. Of course, that's important, but that's not where I'm going to put all my effort. I'm Mm going to make that good enough. And I'm going to focus on making that the the big lever as impactful and as effective as possible because Uh, get it done. Get it done. I was going to say, you know, the thing you just said about the marketing and going through influence, like going to someone who influences and find sort of finding someone who's already done a lot of the work for you in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways. That's like the ultimate leverage is a very sophisticated way of looking at, um, at marketing in general. I just hope that everybody who's listening is paying attention to that idea because there, you know, there, you can work on like, single plane, or you can work in like compounding, really exponential growth type ideas. And I think that when it comes to marketing, finding people who already have all of the people that you want. And when you're thinking about a gym environment, it would be like local community sort of, you know, you got to go local if you have a brick and mortar. So you're kind of looking around, but the, the, the same idea applies. And, you know, kind of rounding this whole thing out, 
we're, we're using gym and gym examples, but these are universally applicable, like the way this goes. Right. And this is, I think, a testament to the experience you've had with working with a variety of different kinds of businesses. It's sort of distilled down, like the ideas have distilled down. You got to be able to get shit done. Right. Like as a human, as a person, you've got to be on top of it. You've got to be competent. You've got to be able to be reliable. Like these are fundamental things that if you don't have those in place, it's going to be real hard to be successful. You might get lucky or find it, but it's going to be tough. Then you got the product. So like, what is the core delivery? You got the sales aspect, the marketing. Um, and I mean, does it get any, it's like, that's it, right? That's like kind of what we got to focus on. And it, we can get, again, distracted by a whole bunch of different things. But if we can think 80, 20 in each one of these and hammer down, it's going to make a big difference. Well said. So, uh, yeah, man, you know, kind of rounding out the, the just this little talk that we're having, um, if kind of describe what you're doing now. So we talked about Ascension Lab, but do you have any projects or anything that you want to talk about in terms of your work with people or anything like that? Um, I mean, I don't have any projects to to share necessarily. I'm more behind the scenes, and part of my arrangement is usually that I I don't talk about who I'm working with. Um, but I'm you know I'm working with a few different brands. I've got some really great people in the the fitness industry that I'm getting the chance to work with that I'm really excited about. Um, I'm working with also someone more on the yoga side of the space and helping uh, her publish a book and really transition from being this amazing, super important uh, component of the yoga industry um, who has this wealth of knowledge and has done all these extraordinary things uh, and is so exceptional at what she does, but has 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 struggled to expand beyond her four walls. She runs a great studio, but has this massive potential for courses and she's writing, I'm helping her write a book and really transition into a bigger authority in the space. Um, then yeah, I've got a, another car project I'm working on that I am just freaking over the moon for, as you know, I'm a car nerd and you know, the more I can be around burning petrol, the happier I am. You know, it's, it's so funny. I've just, we're, I did, have you watched the F1 uh, Netflix series? Of course. Dude, I, we just started watching that. That thing is like, I cannot believe the adrenaline rushes that you get just by watching it, you know, like, but imagine doing that. That stuff's insane. So do you do, are you doing, I, I think I saw that you were doing like some track stuff. Like you have, yeah. uh, you got your own setup, like you're nice. Mm-hmm. You tell us a little bit about what you're doing. <laughs> just track days and car nerding out as much as possible. I mean, it's, it is my primary sport mm. um, or hobby, if you will. Um and yeah, I've, I've got a, a fun setup. I've got an STI that I take to the track as often as humanly possible. And I drive it as fast as I can and see if I can get better at it. And I mean, that's the long and short of it. It is uh, something I really enjoy doing. Yeah. Pure passion. That's awesome. So if yeah. somebody did want to get in touch with you, um, mm-hmm. well, how would they do that? Uh, find me on Instagram would be the best way to do it. Perfect. And just send me a message, say hello. Um, I'm not going to post that much on there or I'm not going to post too much uh, inspirational stuff. It's usually just me and my, my antics. Um, but you can send me a message there. And um, I always enjoy getting to know someone who loves what they do and wants to get better at it and help point you in the right direction one way or the other. Awesome. Man. Well, I want to thank you for sharing all this because I think this is you know, what we're trying to do is just spread good stuff, good basic business knowledge 
uh, but also like learning experience, you know, learning from other people that have a lot of experience. So I just want to thank you for sharing everything. Um, and yeah, man, we'll pleasure. be in touch and we'll, we'll keep it going. Yeah, man. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Nathan. Thanks, man. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Gym Mastery Podcast. If you know someone who might like it, please share it with them. And if you're a gym owner wondering about the level method, uh, in a nutshell, it's a step-by-step fitness progression system that's fun, engaging, and easy to use so that regular folks in your gym can reach their fitness goals safer and faster than ever before and become raving fans of your gym. If that sounds interesting, please go to levelmethod.com to get in touch with us. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you soon.